Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Thursday, September 15th, 2022. Aaron, I missed hanging out with you these past two weeks or thereabouts, and by the way, folks, before we get started here, quick note of explanation, apology. Over the last two weeks, Marvelous Disney, well, I did a solo show, and then there was no show at all, and I want to stress, none of this was Aaron's fault. Mr. Adams is still the same rock-steady guy he's always been, it's just that out ahead of this year's D23, I got in the weeds. Uh, there was just too much to do out ahead of the, that show, which ironically was filled to the brim with Marvel-related goodness, which we'll get to a lot of that on the second half of today's show. Anyway, I'm going to try... And not have that happen again. Now, please note that I use the word try because what with the Disney dish and the Disney wish event coming up in a week to 10 days, maintaining this podcast usual schedule may get a little challenging. So uh, the, the boat doesn't have Wi-Fi? Interesting, <laughs> interesting point. It's it's schlepping the actual podcasting equipment, but we'll figure it I've out. I've got a good couple thousand miles of cable coax that you can just string out the back of the boat like you're laying the communication lines across the Atlantic again. That's a good plan. But again, I will do my level best. All right, on to the news. And as always, the news portion of today's show is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network for a worry-free travel experience every time. Please book online at storybookdestinations.com. So anyway, just back from the D23 Expo, and now I've got friends at Marvel who are telling me, Jim, don't forget about New York Comic Con, which is being held at the Jacob K. Javits Convention Center, October 6th through the 9th, along the shores of the lovely Hudson River in New York City. Yeah, we'll be doing some cool stuff there, too, and... Werewolf by Night, Marvel Studios' first ever holiday special, will be debuting on Disney Plus on Friday, October 7th, the second day of New York Comic Con. So could event attendees get the, ch the chance to see this Michael Giacchino special uh, presentation? Oh, by the way, th that's how Marvel Studios head Kevin Feige would like us all to refer to Werewolf at Night as Marvel Studios' first ever special presentation. I was wondering, they got a composer to direct it. Well, yeah, but... but Has but, he directed anything before this? Well, I mean, this is the... Again, this is Michael Giacchino... This is Mr. Incredibles. This is Mr. Ratatouille. But the interesting thing is he started at film school and backed into doing music for film. So this has always been something he's wanted to do. And of course, the folks at Marvel, it's like, well, we want to be in the Michael Giacchino business. So it's sure. like, oh, you know, okay, sure. Come direct something for us. And on your way out of the building, you do you want to do some music? Now, do we have time to talk about the trailer at all? We do. Uh, you've seen it? I have. And and I was really um, thrilled mm -hmm. with the idea that they were doing it in black and white. Mm -hmm. I hope that they're not just doing that for the trailer and they actually go through with that with the actual full presentation as a straight black and white. And I noticed uh, cigarette burns in the upper right corner and yeah. scratches down the frame and it looks old. I mean, it looked like they were trying to capture the vibe of an old Vincent Price horror flick. And you're not wrong. You're not wrong. If that was their bullseye, I think they hit it. And I'm very excited. You know, I mean, 
I've preached several times about how Marvel can dip into d- different genres. Mm-hmm. And I think this is going to be an extreme example of that where they just go, yeah, let's go full tilt, black and white, old 60s horror, late night movie on TV vibe. I'm still, I'm really excited for it. What's interesting is they also cited the classic universal monster movies and that, oh, that yeah. mix of scary fun, the sort of thing you watch as a kid between your fingers, but you still watched. That said, though, Kevin Feige at the D23 Expo explained that when he was a kid, when you were watching television, you always knew you were watching a holiday special was about to come on, especially on CBS, because out ahead of the start of the show, this this is a CBS special presentation logo would suddenly spin up with its own right. unique musical sting. Yep. So this is why when Werewolf by Night appears on Disney Plus in just three weeks' time, a Marvel Studios special presentation will spin up just like that logo in front of this holiday special. And it will be accompanied by a musical sting that Mr. Giacchino himself wrote, all because Kevin Feige wanted Werewolf by Night to be as authentic as possible. And I love Kevin and his crazy dedication to getting things, you know, the details in the MCU just right. Right. <laughs> but if you think of this from the Disney side of the equation, sometimes you really have to laugh. I mean, you got to picture Bob Chapek sitting in his corner office at the Mouse House, and another Marvel related invoice comes across his desk, and Bob looks down and sees that Kevin has spent that much money to hire a visual effects house to create a Marvel Studios special presentation logo. And then Michael Giacchino hires a full orchestra to record the musical Sting. And this is all because Kevin remembers watching Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman when he was a kid and how those holiday specials started off on CBS. And Mm -hmm. all I can think is Chapek looks at the invoice, looks at the money that Feige is spending on the introduction to Werewolf by night. Never mind what the studio's actually spent on the production. No, 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 no. See, if he's looking at it like that, he is completely blind and in the wrong chair. Okay. And I'll tell you why. And that is? Because because what's happening here is this is the price tag for the beginning of a new tradition. Mm, See, you you can bring this out every year, and this can be your holiday thing for Halloween mm-hmm. or whatever. And then all of a sudden now young kids who see this for the first time Mm -hmm. and they go, oh, look at that. I've never seen that before. But then next year when it hits again for that Halloween time, they go, oh, that was like last year. Oh, this is what it means. And then next year they're going to be looking for that logo. It's it's the beginning of, you know, it's recreating that memory that that. You know, if, if if Feige had it, then it's recreating that memory now for the next generation and carrying on that tradition, but with the Disney brand behind it, which makes it much more powerful. I hope so. You know, my shortest argument for that, if I were putting that invoice on my boss's desk, mm-hmm. I would say Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Ooh. That was a one-off the mm-hmm. first year, but it was very successful and it became a thing. Yeah. So give me a chance to make a thing, mm-hmm. and if it's successful... You've got a new thing, brother. <laughs> Interesting point. Anyway, lots of other cool Marvel-related stuff debuting at this year's New York Comic Con, which, again, will be held at the Jacob Javits Center October 6th through the 9th. Be there or be square. Aloha. Okay, uh, the reason that Aaron and I are recording on a Thursday, out ahead of the show dropping on a Friday, is, of course, the latest episode of She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, dropped earlier this morning. And Aaron, this has got to be a twofer because this is now episode five. And so uh, we haven't talked about four or five at this point. Actually, we haven't talked about three. 
good. So we haven't. Well, uh, you, you may have on your solo show. I might have, but all right. So my my mistake. I did want to ask: did, did we bring up that the Wrecking Crew showed up in episode three? Do we know who the Wrecking Crew is? By the way, folks, on the morning this debuted, when I walked out, there was already a note from Aaron about the Wrecking Crew. This is significant. We need to talk about this. So, Aaron, let's talk about this. In, in the briefest, it's four guys who have construction type tools. Oh. There's a crowbar. There's a guy with a ball and a chain, like a wrecking ball, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that's actually his name, Wrecking Ball. Mm-hmm. Not super creative, but they've showed up in, in video games. It's like they couldn't afford the Sinister Six, so they got the Wrecking Crew, these four guys with, you know, a hammer and, and some other stuff. And She-Hulk makes the joke, did you rob an Asgardian road crew? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> and so that's why these these tools are magically empowered so they had a brief tussle in in She-Hulk, but um, I was I, when I saw the the ball and chain, I'm like, oh my god, is this the Wrecking Crew? And they've showed up, like I said, in, in video games. They've showed up in old Spider-Man animated series as a group to to fight, and they're really low tier. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to totally make fun of them, but just the fact that they showed up in the MCU, I, I never expected on screen to show up as a throwaway gag for She-Hulk was even better. Because that's how low tier they are. But at the same time, I mean, you know, I love to live in the breadcrumb universe where, you know, they're they're back in their van after, you know, Jennifer transformed into she Hulk and, mm. you know, bested them. And But the whole notion of the boss isn't going to be happy. Who right. is the boss? And more to the point, the fact that they were trying to evidently grab a blood sample. So, yeah. any, any, any care to make a wager? Who, who might we be talking about here? I've heard the rumor that we've got, um, oh, was it Mr. Blue? In the original Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton, he was communicating via email with <gasps> oh, no. the guy, the, the brain. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the, the name of the character. You're he ends talking up about Samuel Stern, the leader. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Thank you for filling that gap. He's rumored to be coming back into the MCU playing the same character. Actually, Mr. Feige stood on stage and basically confirmed that. Uh, That's Tim Blake Nelson, who played Dr. Samuel Stern, soon to be the leader. Um, yeah. So, ooh, so that's interesting. So, blood from one Hulk, blood from another Hulk. That makes sense to me. Okay. Okay. No, 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 no. So, all right. A, a couple of other just very brief notes mm-hmm. from episode three. I was surprised as all get out mm-hmm. to find Megan the Stallion of all people <laughs> mm-hmm. in the MCU. Yeah. And then to to close it mm-hmm. with She Hulk can twerk it, twerk it, twerk it. Mm-hmm. But the thing was, a couple days after that episode. Mm-hmm. People were posting these pictures online of if She-Hulk could could combine mm-hmm. the power of the thunderclap <laughs> with her twerk ability. And then it was the scene of Doctor Strange, the evil Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. where where uh, in Black Bolt says, I'm sorry, and a blitz. Uh, they replaced Thunderbolt mm-hmm. with She-Hulk twerking. <laughs> And then the sound wave obliterating Doctor Strange, and it was the funniest thing I've seen in the longest time. Oh, I, oh goodness. I, I, you know, I have to say at moments like that, I'm genuinely impressed by the fan community that somebody is is clever enough to put think about putting those two elements together and then having right. the necessary skills to pull yeah. it off, to, to, to be able yeah. to edit and drop that image of, of She-Hulk. I mean, again, that's that's impressive. That, that's one of those moments when I'm happy with the Marvel fan community. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's it's just kind of a smorgasbord of, of creativity. And then finally, um, the <laughs> I get to claim victory. Mm. Yes. Okay. Who who did you say were the pen pals of the abomination? Oh, you're oh, right. Is that going to be right. the uh, okay. Thunderbolts? No, it was his harem. He's going to go off, live in the mountains, and uh, the only thing is missing are the sheep. Okay. I'm so close to winning this bet. Give me a herd of sheep, and I got to cash in. Okay. Okay. All I, right. I, again, I I can admit when I was wrong. Jumping ahead to the next episode, uh, very briefly, Madison with two N's and a Y, but not where you think is the drunk girl that you regret talking to at parties, as played by Cecily Strong from SNL. I don't know if you remember that gag, but that was like the immediately the first thing that jumped to mind for me there. Um, Twitter apparently loves her. And speaking of Twitter, her line about, or uh, She-Hulk's line about Wong is like having him on the show as Twitter armor for a week, which is really great to address the elephant in the room on that one about, yeah, we know we're going to get criticized on Twitter, but everyone likes Wong, so we feel safe in this episode uh, that we're not going to get pooped on by the fans. Uh, and then speaking of Wong, Wongers is how we now have to refer to him uh, because that's how Madison <laughs> introduced him as Wongers. So we have to have uh, like T-shirts or something made up that says Wongers. And so maybe it's, it sounds like a fast food burger chain, Wongers or Wingers, like a place that sells chicken wings. Have to, to ask, though, just jumping ahead to today's episode, did you love the final image of, of episode five? The tease of oh, what's about yeah, to Yeah, that little piece of gear. Yeah, well, there's such a tease. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like I'm I'm 15 or 16 with my first girlfriend. Oh. You get a little smooch and you think you're going somewhere and they're like, okay, good night. And you're like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 what? I would, we just had a little smooch. Mm -hmm. I thought we were going somewhere. And she's like, I am. I'm going home. Good night. See you in a week. <laughs> Well, ah, well I, I, I will tell you that one of the things that Mr. Feige did share with us was a scene that put, uh, you know, the Charlie Cox's character and Tiana Mansley's character up on a rooftop. So you had, uh, you know, uh, Matt Murdock dressed as Daredevil and Jennifer Walters as she Hulk up on a roof. You know, but but again, the interesting thing is that you know She Hulk was well, I want to go in and smash, and and you know Daredevil was like, well, no, I can feel hear the heartbeats of everybody in the building, and there's 32 of them, and we, we this involves stealth, and this is, and it was lovely to see the interaction, uh, Charlie Cox sure. and and Titania uh, Mansley just did a great job, so really sort of a great teaser taste of of what's to come, so. It's not a question of just seeing a hat in a box. They are, are in fact, going to deliver the goods. And there's a couple of uh, little tiny Easter egg things mm -hmm. that, that have popped up okay. recently as well. All right. She-Hulk's driving her vehicle. I think this was still in episode three or four, but she uh, was eating Cheetos mm -hmm. with chopsticks. Yep. No orange fingers, mm -hmm. uh, she claimed. Mm -hmm. That came from Oscar Isaac when he was doing Moon Knight in a white costume. <sighs> And so there's photos online of Oscar, not in the costume. It's, mm -hmm. it's Oscar in his normal, everyday mm -hmm. human attire. Mm -hmm. But he was eating Cheetos with chopsticks because he didn't want to get orange fingers because <laughs> they had done makeup or whatever. And uh, so that, that was their nod back to Oscar. 
oh, through She-Hulk thing. to say that she eats Cheetos so she don't get orange fingers. That's funny. That that's yeah. the real <laughs> the real backstage world of Marvel Studios blending in with the on-screen stuff. That's funny. well, it's also a good idea of where a creative throwaway idea, just a, a giggle, comes from. Mm-hmm. Like where where does someone come up with that? And it's like, well, funny you should ask. Mm-hmm. Just last week we were hanging out with Oscar Isaac, mm-hmm. and that's how he eats his Cheetos for real. And uh, it's like, well, yes, it's uh, reality is always stranger than fiction. You just got to find it. I guess so. Uh, uh, another thing that that popped up, and this has been going on week to week, and I just got. A, uh, t- a tweet from our friend BioReconstruct mm-hmm. about the QR codes. Oh, okay. So every week there's a QR code, just like there was in Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. And if you're able to, lucky enough to scan it, good job, Eagle Eyes. Mm-hmm. Congratulations on that feat. Then you got to pause it at the right place so it's not blurry. And then you got to scan it with your phone and it will take you to a She Hulk comic book. Well, apparently this week. I don't know if BioReconstruct got a, a somewhat blurry stopping point, but he says hmm. this week's QR code in She-Hulk goes to a Bitcoin app. Hmm. And he's tried many, many scans, and the code does not work. And, he, and he's asking us, have we been able to scan it and go find a, a Marvel She-Hulk comic book at the end of that rainbow? And the fact is, half of us didn't know about the QR codes. I'm not going to say any more than that. I, 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 what can I tell you? I'm not a very technical guy. I mean, it took me years to master a brownie camera. Yeah, no, they're, they're hard to spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew about them, and I still miss them, mm-hmm. and it takes me a search on the internet for some eagle-eyed observer to point me to the proper scene and the time frame of which this QR code pops up, and then I can go find it. But while the episode is playing, I never see them. Never. So to answer your question, Bio, we, no, we, we haven't done anything. Okay. Okay, <laughs> we're, we're, we're proud of you for doing something go. and going to the wrong place. Wow. Okay. <laughs> we're on the job now. Oh, oh speaking yeah. of, of on the job, just last night news broke that Jeff Loveness, who wrote Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, has just been hired to pen Avengers Kang Dynasty. This is the first of the, the two-part end of, I, I want to say, Phase 5? Destin Daniel Crichton, the gentleman who directed Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, is supposed to direct the, I guess we should think of this as sort of the Infinity War installment of the the Avengers two-parter that's coming. By the way, have they, in fact, released the Ant-Man and the Quantum? Uh, Ant-Man and the no, Lord? not yet. No no trailer yet. Okay. And I'm looking and I'm searching for it, but they haven't given it to us plebes yet. Okay, because they did show it to us in the room, and the fascinating setup. It basically starts off with Scott is now what he's always wanted to be. He's a celebrity. He's written a book. In fact, there's a lovely little throwaway where at one point, in honor of his newfound celebrities, he goes back to Baskin-Robbins and and gets a plaque as Employee of the Century. So there's a a thought right now that MODOK is Darren Cross, a.k.a. Yellowjacket, after he's been to the Quantum Realm and shrunk down, but not all of them got shrunk and resized properly, because they think that his helmet, MODOK's helmet, looks like a very, very distorted and warped yellow jacket from Ant-Man 1. Hmm. Did you see MODOK at all in this? You know, to be honest, I did not. I mean, uh, to be honest, they actually laid out quite a bit of story. I mean, you know, it turns out that Cassie, now played by Catherine Newton, is uh, sort of in her young adult, late teen rebellious phase. And Scott Mm -hmm. at one point has to bail her out of jail. But she's also been working with... Hank Pym, because she's brilliant, 
And she's invented a device that will allow us to contact the quantum realm. And the interesting thing is that as Hank and Cassie are sort of showing off this technology to Scott and Hope and Janet Van Dyne. Janet, Mm. the the Michelle Pfeiffer character, is frantic as in shut it down, shut it down. We don't want a two-way radio with that world. And then everybody gets sucked into the quantum realm. And we now learn that what we previously saw in the quantum realm, that sort of very surreal, harsh-looking environment, is just part of the world, that, that there's actually an entire civilization down there, and in fact, a civilization that clearly Janet spent some time in, that she's kind of been holding out on everybody back up on Earth. There's a lovely little moment where Bill Murray appears in the trailer and, you know, Janet Von Dyne, I never thought I'd see you again. And it's like, ooh, these guys have a little history. But the big thing is this is our first glimpse of Jonathan Major's Kang the Conqueror. And Scott initially tries to intimidate him to the effect of, you know, you don't want to deal with me. I'm an Avenger. And Jonathan Major's response at this point is like, an Avenger. Have I killed you already? It's a lovely moment, but the thing is that Kang basically hangs Cassie's fate over Scott, that he needs him to go steal something. What that is, I have no idea. But that's where the trailer leaves us, that Scott is kind of being forced to protect his daughter to do something for Kang, which I'm assuming sets this whole storyline in motion. I hope they reference back to the the line that he had between Michael Douglas. I'm done stealing shit. What do you need me to do? I need you to go steal some shit. I need that to be replayed between him and Kang. Okay, now here's the interesting part. Kevin Feige stood, again, on stage, the part of this whole D23 presentation, and mentioned that at this point in the MCU, there is no longer a formal group of Avengers. The group is splintered. It's gone its own ways. So... Out ahead of the Kang dynasty, we have to see that group coalesce again. You know, and, and, and again, it's going to be kind of interesting in the Marvel tradition, you know, it's coming out of the comics, to see what lineup of characters that is. So, now, do you want to take bets on... Because you have to have someone that leads and forms the group. Mm-hmm. And if we are going to have... Nick Fury returning to Earth in secret invasion. Mm -hmm. And somewhere in the far-flung future, we've got a secret wars. Mm -hmm. Would that mean that Nick Fury is going to resume the role where he comes back to Earth for secret invasion, realizes the hidden threat, and needs to form the team once again, and then goes out recruiting amongst who's currently left and available within the MCU at that time? which then leads us to wherever our current roster ends up. Hmm. And, and I also think it, whomever is going to be on that team will not be any of the Thunderbolts. Okay. All right. Duly noted. Um, what is interesting, again, we, we did get to see the, the secret invasion. I don't want to say trailer, but, but extended clip perhaps. Mm-hmm. And it's him uh, you know, coming to a restaurant and meeting with Rhodey, surrounded by some fairly beefy security guys. And you have Nick Fury basically tank asking Rhodey, how well do you know your security detail? Because to be honest, you can't trust anyone at this moment. And I, I would wonder, a Nick, how does a Nick Fury who can't trust anybody, because they could all be Skrulls, go about recruiting people 
to be in a in a new Avengers grouping. Well, remember the the gag they had introduced in Captain Marvel where they couldn't have any memories mm-hmm. from Oh, it was like a certain point before they were taken over mm-hmm. by or or copied or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they would have to ask them personal, intimate questions that go back several years. Interesting. And so basically, if you have a questionnaire of, that Nick Fury knew, knew you personally, it would be like, what was the donut Tony Stark was sitting in? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, when I picked him up in uh, whatever date, and then you'll have to give a, a location and a time and all that jazz. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think there's some silly way to write around that loophole. Okay. I mean, you have to, right? Obviously, I mean the the train is moving forward, so there's got to be a way to sort of be adding the cars to the train to, that allows us to tell the story of the Kang Dynasty going forward. But oh, speaking yeah. of going forward, we've talked about the production of Ironheart, which is a six episode series shooting in Atlanta right now. Just last night, they announced that Rashida Sheeds. Olayi Walla from the Southside show has joined the cast in an undisclosed role. And again, Feige on stage, uh, D-Train the Expo, talked about what makes this show interesting is that Dominic Thorne as Riri Williams, tech genius. But on the other hand, Anthony uh, Ramos, who's playing the hood, becomes a master of the dark arts. And this is the first time we have a tech superhero going up against a magical supervillain. And that Feige said, you know, that's what kind of makes this show different and interesting. And again, given that Riri starts out in Black Panther Wakanda Forever and then steps down into her own show, we should probably anticipate seeing this character come back in a future MCU theatrical film. and Well, if Riri ever bumps into Spider-Man, he can tell her that math trumps magic, as we saw. <laughs> this, in- this is true. This is true out of No Way Home. Okay, cool. E- excellent thing to point out. All right, folks, we've been vamping enough here. When we get back from this break, Aaron and I are going to talk D23 Expo and the cool stuff I saw there. At the 2019 D23 Expo, out ahead of the opening of the Avengers Campus in Anaheim, Kevin Feige talked about the whole plan for this project. And at that time, it in, you know, the land included a super deluxe e-ticket called, uh, I want to say it was called Firebird, codenamed Firebird, but it was actually in-house. It was known as the Battle of Wakanda Ride. Basically, the Avengers recruited you to hop on a Quinjet. You flew to where, you know, Wakanda was under attack and you helped the Avengers defeat this, these, uh, you know, attempting conquerors from another world. Uh, but then, of course, uh, March of 2020, the pandemic starts. And then, uh, sadly, in uh, August of that same year, we lose Chadwick Boseman. And as a direct result, WDI felt, okay, we need to rethink this attraction, you know, because previously the Black Panther, and to be specific, Chadwick Boseman's version of the Black Panther was front and center. So now, because the multiverse is the big new thing in, in the MCU, Imagineering leaned into that. And it worked with Marvel to create an all-new character to build a, a multiverse show around. And that brand new character 
is King Thanos. If Thanos had come out on top at the end of Endgame and then had had lived another century or thereabouts, in fact, that the image of King Thanos is actually pretty striking. He's got sort of a white goatee and an extra pointy crown. and The crown looks like one of the ring wraiths from Lord of the Rings. You're not wrong. Super tall, super pointy. You're not wrong. And... So anyway, the gimmick of this version of, of the e-ticket, that which, by the way, the building that's now in place on the Avengers campus in Anaheim, the one with the Quinjet parked on the roof, that will still be the entrance to this attraction. And they will still be building a supersized building behind it that will eat up a good chunk of the old Timon parking lot. But the, one of the things they gifted us at the Disney Parks experiences and products panel was a litho of sort of a recreation of what this ride is going to be. And this is an idea that got carried over from Project Firebird, the Battle of Wakanda. It's it's an every hand on deck approach to the MCU. So in the foreground, we have a 12-passenger vehicle. By the way, this is supposed to be a tracked attraction, but we have Agent Carter as, as Captain Britain. We have a World War Three Hulk, along with Hulk, along with She-Hulk, along with Mighty Thor, with the Black Panther, also Ms. Marvel, Werewolf by Night, and Doctor Strange. And that's just the right hand of the image. Well, above King Thanos, we have the Black Widow, we have Daredevil, we have Steve Rogers' version of you know, Captain America, coupled with Sam Wilson's version of Captain America. And uh, America Chavez. And then, left hand of the image, we have Chris Hemsworth's Thor. We have an Iron Man. We have, and you'll love this, Aaron, we have a movie Peter Parker dressed as Spider-Man. And then we have a hand-drawn animated Peter Parker as Spider-Man. Nope. That's <laughs> nope, that's where I bail out. Okay. When, when you throw in the, there was the same thing with the Thor movie. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, everything was going great. And then animated King Bao mm-hmm. showed up and I was like, nope, out of the movie. <laughs> well, the next five minutes I was going, was that an animated Bao mm-hmm. ball? I can't believe they put an animated Bao ball in the middle of the, the gods and Thor. I mean, they, they had all the craziness and, and I'm okay with all the craziness. Mm-hmm. The animated thing just pulled me out of the movie for a long time. So that same thing, mm-hmm. I'd be in the ride, and I, and then I, I don't care if you're putting me through corkscrews and loops and all that. I'd be why the hell is there an animated Spider-Man back there? I don't know what to tell you, <laughs> but if that upsets you, you're really not going to be happy about the. Oh, there's more. Yes, oh, I'm okay, looking at. Do you remember when the What If episode where we saw Steve Rogers flying around? Oh, sure. Uh, you know, in the, mm-hmm. the giant metal outfit. It's, it's like, well, that's here too, and that looks anima- animated as well, so I assume mm. that's from What If, but we'd be directly behind him. We have Moon Knight, and we have Man-Thing, which I thought is, is kind of intriguing. Man-Thing was supposed to be glimpsed in the Werewolf by Night trailer. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, a, it's like a half-second okay. f- uh, shot that's in there, but yeah, people have d- dissected that one, that image, and I, th- I think he'll be here by Halloween. Okay, cool, cool. And just to finish off here, we have Shuri from uh, Black Panther, as well as Dory Malaje, the, the honor guard 
the, the great protectors of Wakanda. But th again, that's just in the one image, and that will go out in the mail to you this week. So, you know, uh, enjoy that. But yeah, that's coming over the horizon. Just uh, to be aware, folks, what I've been told is 2025, largely because... They have to wrap up uh, construction. They, they, no, no, no. They said they're going to open the thing in 2025? Well, yes, I can remember. Okay, no, hold on. All I got to say is Tron Coaster? Well, the difference is that, you know, well, first of all, site was cleared for the previous building. Uh, your entrance structure has already been built. Uh, okay. You have, you know, your construction teams on site who are now finishing up Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. The one hiccup, and this is why they were like, okay, 2025 with, with construction potentially starting in 2023, is we are still dealing with some crazy supply chain issues. And in fact, just today, with all of the talk of a, a pending rail strike, strike here in the States, which I have to tell struck terror into everybody who's working at a project at Disney right now, because it's like, if we can't get the supplies by rail, everything, which is already expensive because of what's happened to the price of steel, gets crazy expensive. So 2025 is what I'm being told. So don't get online just yet. And, and as Aaron put out, yeah, Tron, light cycle run, uh, ran a little bit behind schedule. So maybe. I, I just don't recall them building anything quickly. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, so it's it's like if you're announcing it today, mm -hmm. when when are you breaking ground and starting, you know, tomorrow? I mean, you have to move really quickly. But like I said, what helps here is you already have your entrance building built. You literally, the site behind it had been prepped. So that we're not starting at A, right. we're sort of starting at D or sure, E. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, All right. moving on to stuff that get announced during the the movie portion of it. Every time I learn more about Kevin Feige, you know, it's just sort of like I like this guy even more because what ended up happening at the the twenty three Expo, the the studios presentation, is Lucasfilm went first, and they talked about Andor, they talked about Tales of the Jedi, and and the like, but they ended with Indy five. And again, an absolutely amazing trailer for Indy 5. And, but what was great is that Harrison Ford came out and when the 7,500 people in the hall cheered and stood up and, and that sort of thing, he visibly got teary on stage and yeah, got choked up by the reaction and you know, said, this is the last one. I am not falling down again for you people. But also said, you know, the, what's great about this one is this movie kicks ass. The James Mangold, picking up where Steven Spielberg left off, found the secret sauce, made a great indie movie, and you're all going to love it. And so they go off stage, and now here comes Kevin Feige and Michael Giacchino to talk about Werewolf at Night. And, and Feige actually acknowledges the room. It's like, how do I top that? I mean, I, we all just watched the Indy 5 trailer, which we all have been wanting to see. And, oh, my God, that movie looks great. And it's just, and to watch him for a minute there, it's like, okay, all right, I'm here to, 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 to talk about Marvel Studios. But, oh, my God, I can't wait to see this indie movie. But it, that was the thing going on with the presentation. This mix of fun little bits of news and, at the same time, 
frustrating bits of news. Like, for example, we found out, you know, we've got a WandaVision director, Matt Shackman, is going to direct Fantastic Four. And so we all stood there and went, cast, cast, cast. And it's like, and now we move to Captain America, New World Order. And, you know, so it's, oh, okay, all right, well, we'll, we'll get that news. At, may, maybe at New York Comic Con, who knows? I think we'll get it when they hit the screen and actually appear before our eyes and go, oh, so that's who they cast. Uh, but okay, so moving on to Captain America New World Order. So again, we've got Anthony Mackie coming back as Sam Wilson. And what I love is Carl Lumley is coming back as Isaiah Bradley. That character, the, the first black Captain America, is back in the mix, and that's cool. But as you mentioned earlier, the, supposedly the villain of this story is Dr. Samuel Stern, the leader, Tim Blake Nelson's character, which... He's going to take a seat, uh, you know, in the old timers club alongside the the gentleman who just played the abomination in the She-Hulk. But yeah, the the fact that you know you get introduced to the campus in, in 2008 and stand by the phone, we're going to call you. I absolutely promise. Might be 2002, right. but we're going to call you. And then, as you mentioned, uh, we got news about the Thunderbolts. And what did you think of the lineup? I mean, it seemed like if if you had to pick all of the bad guys that could convert to good guys mm -hmm. for a while that seemed like the the group that you would choose mm -hmm. i thought bucky had already kind of paid his price and was on good team good guy mm -hmm. and didn't need to be in that specific group mm -hmm. but yeah i mean they all they all seem like they would be the right choice for the anti-hero group now the thing is how much fun will the script writers be able to conjure mm -hmm. up amongst the personality differences of all of those. See, like, I, I'm thinking the, the Red Guardian mm -hmm. is going to want to snuggle up right next to Bucky because he's the closest person to Captain America. True. Right? And he's going to be like, you know, I was a good friend with Captain America. He probably didn't tell mm -hmm. you. We were very, very tight. Probably tighter than you mm -hmm. even, eh? You know, and it's going to be like, no, shut up, dude. You know? <laughs> well, but at the same time, from the stage, they were talking about, you know, it's going to be fun to watch. Alexi and Yelena Blonov, that, 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 that faux-father-daughter relationship play out again. Right. Uh, and likewise, think about it. Sebastian Stan's uh, Bucky Barnes with Wyatt Russell, you know, the, the U.S. agent, given the, the history they already have. That's going to be an interesting dynamic. And by the way, what do you make of this story that got out to the effect of the Marvel website accidentally leaked that Daniel Bruhl's Baron Zemo characters in this thing. They evidently they had a piece of art that they had not removed Zemo from. You know that it was supposed to be a surprise later, but that got was put it in his purple mask or was it actually his face? I see. That's the thing. I I, I didn't move quickly enough to actually see it when it was on the site. Okay. And evidently, you know, the folks who saw it didn't do image capture on it. Right. Oh, oh, by the way, I, I also have to share the story of uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who, of course, uh, plays Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. And she talked about when Kevin called her and said, we want you in the MCU, and this is the character we want, want you to play. And, and Julia stops him and says, you had me at Contessa. <laughs> She's very much looking forward to this movie, which begins shooting next year or thereabouts. Of the bunch that were at the show, the trio that were so clearly jazzed to be there and excited about their movie and were also at this point, goofy pals 
were Brie Larson, the Aman Vellani, and, and Tiona Paris, who, of course, play Carol Danvers, uh, Kamala Khan, and Mar- uh, Monica Rambeau from uh, the Marvels. And, oh, Aaron, they showed the trailer, which the, the moment we saw at the end of the, the last episode of uh, the, the mid credit scene with Kamala Khan sort of blipping out of her, her bedroom at home and Brie Larson appearing. Oh, that is just the start of some genuine craziness in this movie that, first of all, we get to see where Kamala Khan goes. We see Monique Rambeau, uh, you know, literally in a spacesuit, you know, uh, out in space next to a, a, a shield platform in space. And there's a, an anomaly that has appeared, appeared in front of the station. So she jets up to see the anomaly. And as she touches it, that's when the jump happens. So now in her spaceship is Kamala Khan. And evidently, Monique Rambeau then blasts across the universe to where Captain Marvel was. And Captain Marvel then ends up in Kamala's bedroom. And this is the problem. Every time there's a, a surge of energy, they go to, you know, the trio swaps places at wherever they are in the universe. And there's particularly this wonderfully funny moment in the trailer where Kamala blips to where Captain Marvel was. And it's on the space station facing down these fierce aliens who are charging for her. But what is the name of the flurkin, the cat that we met in the the first Captain Marvel film? Goose. After Goose. Mavericks, buddy. There we go. Okay, Goose. Goose is there in the room, but immediately turns into the, the, the flurkin. And so all these tentacles fly out of his, his mouth, and he eats all of the aliens in front of Kamala, who's like, ah, ee, ooh, I get It's like, oh, gross. She has no idea what's going on, but it, it's that sort of energy and humor, you know, these three women who are trying to sort out what's going on while at the same time defeat this this alien threat against Earth looks crazy funny. It's some wonderful chemistry. Think about Kamala's character is fangirling the entire time. It's like, we're a team, we're a team. We're not a team. Shut up, go away. So great, great stuff. Just, just cannot wait. I, I want to say, and that's August of, of 2023, which uh, based on the trailer, can't get here soon enough. Beyond that, we got kind of a, a one-two punch of, you know, we got to see the trailer for Echo. And Vincent DeForio comes out on stage, you know, to, to talk about uh, Wilson Fisk, you know, Kingpin character. And, you know, they finish the presentation and Feige thanks them and everybody with the cast of Echo goes off stage except Vincent. And he's like, we're not going to talk about my show. <laughs> and then Charlie Cox comes on stage to talk about the Daredevil Reborn show that's being prepped and not shooting till next year. But clearly, Charlie Cox and Vincent were very excited about the scripts they read and the possibilities of these characters coming back on the canvas, but coming back on the MCU campus to be part of, you know, what's going on in that universe. And I mean, there is so much more news, which we will have to get to in another uh, episode of Marvelous Disney. But you just walked away from this portion of the studio's presentation thinking that if there were a level above A-game, that's what Marvel is up to these days. 
they're crazy confident about the, what they're doing. They're planning stories years out ahead. They're reaching out to amazing people and convincing them to come play in their sandbox. In fact, that was the, the rumor that was sweeping the show afterwards. It's like, well, damn, they, they, they didn't close the deal with Denzel, so they couldn't announce it as part of the show. But evidently, Denzel Washington is going to be coming to the MCU very soon. And before we close here, I should also note that half the fun of going to uh, D23 Expo were the people who came up uh, and said very nice things about the, the podcast we do here. In fact, Aaron, my little friend Thor wanted me to say hello to you. That, that literally is his name, Thor. But he came up and talked about so much about how he enjoyed Disney Dish, but especially Marvelous Disney. So wanted to say you, you were doing a good job and asked where you were. And The troll stays in the cave. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> kind of, but anyway. Uh, That's very nice. Thank you. That's very, very kind. Yeah, it, it, very, but very kind. great time. Uh, lots of stories yet to share, folks. And But uh, like I said, folks, I, I have to close here largely because I, I got a litho to get in the mail to Mr. Adams. So tell you what, uh, Aaron, can you tell folks where they can find you on social media? Certainly. If you head on over to Twitter and type in at Azaprod, A-Z-A-P-R-O-D. And just for a quick second, if you consider the enormousness of our planet and how unfathomably large our galaxy is, floating through the vastness of space and how tiny we are as humans, when you think about it, I really don't eat all that much cheese. <laughs> Leave me alone. Stop it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Don't... don't quite know how to follow that but but I, I like a charcuterie board that's what i'm trying to say i like a charcuterie board just leave me alone when i'm eating my meats and my cheeses it's a lot of cheese i understand but don't get on my back about got it. it got it okay <laughs> well if you too are enjoying a charcuterie board and or want something to eat or listen to while you're eating uh we of course have some other podcasts here we have disney dish which i do with Mr. Len Testa. Uh, we have Fine Tuning, which I do with Drew Taylor. And of course, we have Looking at Lucasfilm with Brian Gaughan. And I'll be recording a new episode of that to talk about the Star Wars related D23 news sometime this weekend. As we run for the curtain here, I uh, want to remind you they can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. So thanks for listening, and we will be back soon.